Good evening, Meat Suits. Welcome back to Read It and Weep, a podcast on lockdown. Everybody else, all these great podcasts I listen to, are suddenly having to record at home and are talking about their crappy internet and their their lesser audio quality and they're apologizing for it. Well, we on this show have been doing crappy recordings over the internet for years. We were ahead of this curve right. by 10 years. We started crappy. I feel like everyone is crapping down to us. That's what I think is happening. This is our... We're getting ripped off on our, our decision to record from separate computers. Um, I'm your host of this show. My name is Alex Falcone. I am recording in my house, as we all have to be, in North Koreatown in Los Angeles. Joining me today, my two Southeast Portland companions. First up, at Anthony Lopez Part 2 on Twitter, it's Mr. Anthony Lopez. Hey, Alex. Glad to be here to talk about a nice, fun, escapist movie that has... No events to the world in the current state we're in right now. I was really glad to be able to sit down and just escape for 90 minutes. Yeah. I think about- Even just the fact that he plays a board game for a really long time gave yeah. me flashbacks. Oh, no, I mean, there's a, it's not like, you know, the there's any scene in this movie that's very similar to my nightly dining room table conversations <laughs> about how this plague is going to kill us all. A reminder that you picked this. Also joining us today, he's at Hungry Hunty on Instagram. Please welcome back Mr. Hunter Donaldson. Yes, I'm here. Um, I am. Uh, I actually haven't been paying attention to the news lately. Um, so I guess there's something going on, but I am broadcasting to you from my local Taco Bell, and uh, <laughs> I am touching my face a lot. Um, hands I, on the I face. I don't know if you know this, but so far, everyone who's made a show of touching stuff has also gotten it. That's crazy. Right? There's, Anyways, there's that basketball player who, like, touched all the mics. On each of my fingers one at a time. <laughs> Just hold on. I got to... And actually, one of my fingers is dirty, and I can't remember which one. So I'm just going to pop one into my mouth, and we'll see. It's going to kind of be a Russian roulette thing. Here's the great thing. is like right now, even in ta- like even in this situation, I think this is probably not weird behavior for Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah. I, no yeah, one in this Taco Bell is cool looking at you it. weird. Yeah. <laughs> they're all big fans of the show, I assume. Uh, no, Alex, we all know that when someone's doing that at Taco Bell, you don't look at them. You do not oh, yeah, want no. to. Look of at the course. person touching themselves. Because then the you're part of, you're complicit. Yeah. You're part of their game. Well, we are, um, we are, are, are keeping on despite lockdown and um, Hunter is um, grateful enough, uh, graceful enough, not uh, generous me, enough. Excuse me, sir. Um, sir, could you yep. get within six feet of me, please? Thank you. <laughs> All right. Um, there's a, there's a man within six feet of me yeah. now and uh, good. it feels good. I, oh, I didn't feel God. comfortable. Hunter, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule, always live streaming, to do this pre-recorded show. Oh, yeah. I am uh, probably working more in the lockdown I, than I was. I think before. you are. I feel like you've, fill, you've filled internet streaming like the way a goldfish lives up to the size of the bowl. Yeah, You're just like, there's more hours. I will do more time on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I like to stay busy, okay? That's my thing. You already world- had your like 14-hour-a-day board game streaming planned. Yes. And then you added 12 new shows. Yes. And, yeah, and I'm doing more board game streaming. You can catch me on the Leader Game stream on Mondays and Tuesdays at noon oh, EST. Uh, also, Earthquake Hurricane later today, which is not today, obviously, but today is in when we recorded. Yeah, I mean, just like everything else in 2020, if it doesn't happen live on the internet, did it really happen? It didn't. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I am 
so happy to be talking to you guys today. Um, we are talking. This is season three, episode eleven. This is this is three eleven podcast, and Ooh. this episode is going to be a beautiful disaster. <laughs> um, and it's brought to you as always by our um, loyal and physically attractive meat buddies. Thank you, everybody who has kept the show going um, against against all reason at this point. Um, before we talk about the movie today, let's uh, check in with everybody. Uh, what else have you guys been watching this week? Um, Hunter, can we get an update? How is Star Trek? Ba, 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 ba. Um, welcome to Hunter Star Trek Corner Watch. Um, thank you, Star Trek Nation. Um, I just want to say uh, there's only one episode left. Uh, actually, well, yeah, no, there's only one left, and uh, it's been quite a ride. But um, I think uh, it's bad, uh, and doesn't. We're at a point now where it doesn't matter what happens in the last episode. Um, this was all a, a bad thing that should not have happened. And I just want to let people know: if you haven't watched it yet, you you don't have to watch it. You know what I mean? <laughs> you don't have to. That would be my review. If if I was a writer for the AV Club, it would be right on the front page of AV Club. It would say. Star Trek Picard, you don't have to. Don't and then in little <laughs> butters underneath. Don't feel like you have to, because you don't. Um, you already have the show you watched when you were a kid, or maybe you were an adult then. Um, and you could just watch that a little more, or and and that story has an ending. You don't need this extra just disappointing. This is exactly the opposite of the type of show that we need right now. Okay. Play <laughs> Animal Crossing. Do not watch this show. Please do not. Please do not watch this show. It is so depressing right now. The show. Also, I... the show, the plot of the, everyone has said this, but the plot of the show is just the plot of the game Mass Effect 3. It's just that plot, okay? <laughs> people didn't even like that game, dude. When that game came out, people paid 50 bucks for it and they didn't even like it, okay? This is, you don't have to pay for this. You don't have to watch this, okay? Don't do it. The number one job of reviewers to tell people, is this what we need right now? And your answer yeah. is no. It I, is it. It is the opposite. I appreciate that very much. Anthony, you've played Mass Effect 3. I have. I um, yes. Did you like not it? a good comparison. No, I did not. <laughs> um, Hunter, I was trying to find uh, a quote from uh, the showrunner. Alex uh, Kurtzman, the, the no, devil himself. <laughs> no, this was from, uh, I believe, from uh, Michael Caban. Oh, uh, Ch Michael Chabon. Chabon, yeah, Michael yes. Chabon. But there was a, a quote of his I saw this week. I'm trying to find it, but it's basically he said his original idea for the show was going to just be solely Picard on his vineyard with his dog and like two Romulans who work for him. And it was just going to be like small, simple stories, mm -hmm. uh, but how they wouldn't let him do that, obviously. Right. And it just, as someone who hasn't re watched it yet, I just thought of you and I was like, I bet that Hunter would have really enjoyed that. Yeah, <laughs> I would have loved that. In fact, yeah. the, the, that was the best. The first couple episodes, you have uh, Picard on his vineyard with two Romulans that help him. And it, uh, that is the best aspect of the show. Does not get any better than that. So, yeah, just watch up to about 10 minutes into episode one and then turn it off. Okay. Well, maybe uh, if we get enough fan pressure. Uh, we can get them to uh, release a patch that updates the ending and makes it slightly worse 
just like they did with Mass Effect 3. Yep. Yep. Man, I wish I could contribute more to the segment because I enjoy it every week, but I also feel like you guys could be talking about yeah. like deep sea welding knowledge. I have no idea what's going on with any of this. I but I enjoy hearing you talk about it. This is like a fun I'm like just a f- the happy dumb guy to smile yeah. as you discuss multiple things I don't know. Um, so again, the point is though, Hunter, hold off on that free week trial of CBS All Access. Right, right. Yes. Hold so, off. Cool. I'm gonna hold in off fact, on that. In fact, if you even had CBS Some Access, it's too much. You don't right. need well, actually, any CBS Access right now. Now I don't like saying this, but I'm pretty sure they did make it all temporarily uh, free. The, all the Picard episodes um, to watch on All Access. I'm pretty sure you can, not even out, like outside of the trial, it's just you can watch it if you want to. Um, I believe that is the case. Um, and do not fall for that. That is a trap. They are trying to trick you into giving them uh, your time and don't do not do it. I, and I, the nice thing about bad Star Trek is there's so much good Star Trek. You can go back and rewatch at any time. Why waste your time with the bad stuff? I just right, don't right. understand why you would. That's such a great point. Uh, I think that's the most effective thing. Is like ju- there's still the one where they save a whale. Just go back and watch that again. Yeah, yeah. They used to make Star Trek shows when TV shows were insane and would do like 25 hours of st- like plot of season. You know? Yeah, I, 24, that, that... 25 episodes, craziness. That right. seems that seems like a, a better way to go about it. So, Anthony, what have you watched this week? Um, I am going to bring up, watched a few things, but the main thing I want to talk about, because I don't know if either of you have seen it, but if you go from just Twitter, it apparently seems to be what everyone is talking oh, about. Oh, is this the, oh, right. the Here we go. Tiger show? Yeah, I, Heather and I watched all of Tiger King uh, oh. this week. I, uh, If you were looking for a... Like the I my favorite types of the first off, all good documentaries open with a phone call from prison. I truly sure, yeah. believe that. It's one of my favorite subgenres of documentary. But it's it's one of these shows, one of these things that's just like, you know, when people say you couldn't write this, like if you wrote this, you would either be a comic genius or a complete hack. Like it's hard to tell. Well, um so- is is it actually real or is it like yes. no, yeah, kind all, of real? No, it's all real. It's six like, years. A lot of these documentaries are like, well, there's there's some sketchy. They're making some assumptions. There's some. No, these people are all real. I truly believe that. Uh, okay. I like very because everything on, I've seen on Twitter. I'm I'm going to go on a limb and I'm going to say I think it's not real. Well, just just from the tweeting about it, I believe this to be fake. <laughs> um, I don't know if you ever known any weird. Floridians or Oklahomans, but I totally buy it. Um, oh, okay. Well, if you'd said Florida earlier. Yeah, so it is uh, one of my favorite things about it, and I think this holds through in all culture. Very early on, they're, like in the, like, the first five minutes, there's, they're interviewing someone, and he's, he's saying, like, you know, all exotic animal owners are weird in their own ways. Like, the, the monkey peoples are really weird. The lizard people are really weird, but Big cat people are the weirdest and most fucked up of them all, and oh, that yeah. seems to be very true. Uh, I mean, but that's not a, that's not a great deep insight. No, it's like no. someone who buys a lion. No, everyone's like, yeah, probably normal. Everything's going well. Maybe like an accountant or something. 
Like, but yeah, you, these are crazy. That's a crazy yeah, decision. It's, it's insane. I mean, honestly, the best thing I hope that comes from this is I hope it finally makes it so they ban uh, Loge Cat uh, ownership in the United States. It I think should, you know is, this. I'm, is it not? Is it not illegal already? It is not illegal. No, there is wow. more wild cats in captivity than there are free in the world right now. Uh, it's very, very depressing. Uh, and it is a, it's, you know, seven episodes long. Every episode has a crazy twist in it at some point. Uh, let me put it this way. There's a, there's a guy in it who lives in Florida, who is the basis for Scarface. Uh, he's a Cuban American (laughs) drug dealer, uh, who now owns a big cat uh, reserve down in Florida. And he comes off as the most grounded and sensible person in the entire documentary. <laughs> I felt the most right. normal. Um, Fine. But no, it, is, it is just a fun, wild ride of a documentary. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, and besides that, Heather and I also started watching The Witcher on Netflix, uh, which is not that good of a show. But I think this, this is the one that is popularly considered to not be good, but then the book is so popular that the kids who love it are so passionate that yeah, they're all mad that the critics don't like it. Don't like it. Yeah. yeah, people yeah. just like the you know, but So we've watched a few episodes of the show, and I own The Witcher. I've played through The Witcher games, and I do quite like those. Oh. Um, but it, the, the show was good enough to inspire my wife into playing about 10 hours of The Witcher 3, which is a something I did not expect to ever happen. Yeah. So uh, for, for for scale, she she played like one tenth of it, correct? <laughs> yeah, something like that, yeah. Um but she's played quite a bit of that and she's just kind of flip flopping between that and Animal Wait, Crossing this, is, this week. This is a ga- uh, um a TV show based on a game series, not on a book. No, it's, it's on a, a book. book. The book series was first and then the game series is what kind of brought it to popular culture, though if you listen to the author of the books who is real salty that the games are more popular than his books oh. uh, and like truly hates the games and constantly complains about them any chance he gets. Uh, but the show, cause the books, so like the games take place after the books ended so that they can do their own story with it. And then the, the show is based off the actual books, which are mostly collections of short stories from my understanding. Um, and that kind of goes into the show's sort of like episodic nature. I think the the show's fun. The world of The Witcher is something I am familiar with. Like I said, I have played the games. I've never read any of the books. I do like a lot of the concept. I really like the casting in this show. I think it's really awesome. They purposely made a, like a very conscious choice to have a very diverse cast, which is just the type of thing you don't see in fantasy a lot. And I really appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, that. just looking at the game. Uh, play stills it looks like a lot of white guys with long white hair yes i mean the games are like the books so like conventional fantasy uh so the show is a very diverse thing it is also it's my biggest problem with the show is it's almost all like exposition and um like plots there's very little character work done i mean if you look at something like game of thrones which is probably the most easiest comparison to it uh, just like the the character work is what made the first few seasons of that show work so great, and this show kind of feels more of like the middle seasons of and Game the nudity. Of Thrones. Yeah, a lot, quite a bit of nudity, but not. I have to say, not in, not really any from uh my my boy Henry Cavill. 
who I would love to see oh. more nudity Ooh, yeah. of, because he's a big old sexy man. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, and, he is that. I mean, um, look, I was kind of not sold on Henry, Henry Cavill. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I do really like him in this show. He does a great uh, impression of the voice actor from the game series. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ever, I used to think he was like just an okay, pretty boy and not that great of an actor. But that motherfucker cocked his fist in Mission Impossible Fallout, and I've been all in ever since. Uh, <laughs> ever since he... he did that, which is arguably the greatest moment in action movie history, is when Henry Cavill cocks his fist. It's just amazing. Uh, right. yeah, so any genius that brings that, I'll try anything he does from now on. So, yeah, so it's okay. Someday this segment will have something that two of us have seen. Because it feels like 99% of the time it's a thing that only one of us knows, and right. uh, so the, the, the conversation doesn't really flow. I'm like looking at pictures of the video game while you explain this to me, and being like, this is crazy. But that's all I have. Um, My favorite Witcher thing is when Obama went to Poland, and they gave him a yeah. copy of the Witcher 2 video <laughs> game, which is like... The idea of Obama getting this game and him being like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this now? Like, I just have this game. You think Obama doesn't have a beefy PC that he can run? I think maybe he does now, but there's no way in the Oval Office he was like, oh, I got to chew on this 80 hour RPG right now. Sorry. Sorry, nation. Look, if anybody was going to do it, it would have been cool president, right? Sure. I mean, that again must just, uh, when I think about stuff like that, I know it's like, you know, the country of Poland is very proud of the Witcher. Like the books are huge over there. The games are made over there. Oh, Um, yeah. Okay. But it, that's another one of those things that that must have made the author so fucking salty. Right. They gave him a video game and not his books. Because he, again. that's funny. And he reads. There's not game. Any interest in this, you should look up the author of The Witcher talking about the game series. And he is just such a dick in every interview he can. It's amazing. <laughs> it's one of my favorite weird things. It's so interesting to be. I mean, I can't imagine what that's like since uh, I don't have. I have nothing that's been successful or sold to something to be more successful. But it does seem weird to be eclipsed by your by other people doing a better job with your own characters. That's yeah. a really bizarre world to be like, I, mean, I created this, but the thing holding it back was me. Right. I think that it's a, uh, personally, I really like, um, there's kind of this count, uh, counterpoint people point to in the video game world where there's this, uh, video game series called Metro and the author that's also based off a, a fairly well known in like Russian, it's a Russian book, Russian game. Uh, and the author of that is the complete opposite. He's like, my book sales have gone through the roof. Fuck yeah. Keep making my stuff more famous. <laughs> I uh, mean, that uh, seems like the right attitude. Even yeah, if you secretly hate it, what are you gaining by being a dick about it? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, that's why I love his attitude about it so much. Like, high tide rises all ships. Like, yeah, right, this yeah. is rad. Yeah, it gets more people exposed to my universe. Rad. Uh, I just right. love curmudgeon the authors. It's one of my I'll, favorite. I'll, I'll do a much shorter segment for my own thing. The thing that uh, I watched this week. Well, uh, my wife and I were watching The Great Escape the other day. And uh, it's been very helpful as I've secretly been planning to tunnel out of the apartment without her finding out. <laughs> How so, many tunnels are you supposed to dig, Alex? Start with three. Yes. Although it is harder when you're by yourself and also when you're on the second floor. 
But if um, they find one, they'll definitely not going to assume yeah. you did that again. When they close up Tom, yeah. you'll be able to get into Dick. You know, that's what I'm like. You know if what I'm saying? Thing, I would think the second floor would help because that's a whole bunch of space that's already cleared out underneath you. You know, that's true. It is hard to hide apartment floor debris around our apartment, but I've convinced her that I'm building a garden. Well, that's why you got to watch Shawshank Redemption and learn to just slowly trinkle it out of your pants everywhere you go. That's a good point. Both of them have slowly trinkling out of pants. That's a theme between those two. (laughs) That's how you that's how you tunnel is you trinkle pant trinkle. All right. um, uh, Oh, also, uh, very briefly, I watched my first live high speed uh, police chase today on uh, I I live streamed it from local television. This is an L.A. requirement at some point. And it did go by our neighborhood. And so I saw it on Twitter. I was like, I guess I'll watch this from a helicopter for an hour while this guy flips off the camera and drives on just the rims after he went over the uh, spike strip. And he ended up not dead, which was a huge relief. Um, yeah, he turned out okay. But anyway, that was, if, so that was a fun L.A. moment. If, if there's anything Grand Theft Auto has taught me is that you just wake up in the hospital with $5,000 out of your pocket. Start over, yeah. You do, yeah, whatever oh, man. You'll be It'll be okay. Uh, all right, so today let's get on to the movie. Today we are wa- we watched the Seventh Seal, <laughs> the nineteen oh, I forgot 57. Swedish film. Um, Anthony, why did you pick this movie for us? I did not pick this movie. Hunter picked this. Yeah, movie. I think I broke oh. this up, and I'm then sorry, and then Anthony was like, "Let's do it." Um, yeah, I kept saying it was Hunter's pick or it was Anthony's pick. Hunter, why did you pick this movie for me? Um, cause cause it's about a plague, and because we talked about Seven <laughs> Samurai, and it seemed oh, yeah, like yeah, we yeah. were gonna go with like a our seven two big thing. themes. <laughs> yeah, our big yeah. themes are the plague and sevens. Sevens. Well, also, the day that Max Vanzito, the lead in this yes. movie, passed away. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. You did mention that. Um, that that was you got really excited, and we thought we should do it right now as an honor to him. Yes. Um, which is a which is a great idea. Um, also, tragically, Hunter, we have already watched Lucky Number Eleven, so no. we can't do that again. Well, so, technically, I, I that's not the number seven. That's the number seven. No. So it's that a totally different number. It. Yeah, that's a good point. It's kind of a spinoff series. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we could watch Sev Seven Evan, or however you pronounce that. Seventh Heaven. No, just the movie Seven, but they put the numeral in the middle, so it's like oh, that's so not how seven. you spell that. Seven, so, so seven, seven and then. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> you can also watch Seventh Heaven. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and and also, oh, I did well, want to so, say I did want to suggest Seven Brides for Seven Brothers because oh, that's got that, it twice. I really like that actually, and in fact, I think doing like a Hollywood musical style film might be a good follow up yeah. to this type of movie. Yeah, I mean. Uh, we seem to be grabbing like one movie from every big era and yes. like, film thought. We need like a big musical. We need something like German Expressionist. Uh, we need like a seventies gritty crime film. Yeah, uh, French uh, Connection or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Also, like most things, when you add the word French before it, are better. So yeah. that's got to uh-huh. be the best kind of connection. That's the connection with the most tongue. Yeah, I agree. Um, but also, I, where I want to get to with this, what I'm really curious about, Alex, uh, how much did you love this very fun movie? <laughs> because I mean, why, 
This was the it's, most fun I've had thinking about you watching the movie yeah. <laughs> while I'm watching the movie. I mean, like, as, that's as, always uh, the best part, but... At, I mean, definitely Alex is someone who, you know, likes his movies to be very clear, precise, non-allegorical, yes. incredibly, incredibly literal. And this movie ticks all those boxes. It does. And also uh, like a movie in English. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like not having to read the movie, but, uh, you know, um, I will say, okay, I did enjoy some sections of this movie. There's some things about this movie that I very much enjoyed. Um, and then also afterwards, one of my main thoughts was, I wish this film school thing was more fun. Ah, yes. Because <laughs> it does mostly feel like film school, uh, our series, slightly condescending film school that we're currently in the middle of is, um, it seems like it's kind of a joke at my expense most weeks. Ah. And and that's so I like is like what I Alex, most yeah. people parents have to pay like forty thousand dollars a year to have this joke at yep. their expense. Yep. <laughs> so you're getting off easy here. I mean, I do wonder in a lot of movies that I'm watching with for you guys, I, I think to myself, is this as important as they're saying it is, or did they just want it to be hard for me? No, uh, this, mean, this one is definitely important. Super yeah. important. Okay. The, the movie that gave us the classic iconography of death everybody knows nowadays. Right. Yeah, oh, wait, really? This, yeah, that's this, the idea of death and like the pale face and all black. That comes from this movie. I do think this, later we got rid of the huge forehead part. But sure. We're going to talk about <laughs> know, how this. I've seen Bill and Ted's bogus journey. The forehead is the player. But so when we, um, but before we talk about, um, before we talk about its role, and I have a bunch of questions to ask you guys about this movie. First, let me give you, um, on behalf of our listeners who have not seen it, let me give you a, uh, it looks like it's about a four sentence summary of the movie. So a good hearted soldier and his rapist squire are returning from the world famous Swedish crusades. One of the, one of the best crusades. Um, and the, the soldier is about to die of nothing in particular. So, so death shows up classic death, uh, you know, black robes, scythe, the whole thing. Um, uh, but this version of death is super chill Swedish death. And so soldier boy is like, Hey, before I go, let's play a board game. Uh, let's play chess and death cannot. It turns out one of his things is he cannot resist a chess challenge. He can't decline. You can't talk your way out of being dead when he shows up, except if you challenge him to a game of chess, and then he will accept. So he agrees to play. You said about um, four sentences, Alex? I did. Well, I keep adding, like, aside <laughs> as I'm saying this. Um, so he agrees to play uh, with no haste in particular. They, like, play sometimes, and then they take long breaks. Uh, and if he loses, he'll let the soldier live. So final two sentences. Um, the soldier uses his time between the game uh, play to figure out if there's a god or not and instead of that he accidentally meets a group of the worst street performers of all time <laughs> and then he meets his wife briefly and then they all die in a pile and yeah. that is That's the movie it. seventh seal and apparently it they is an not, allegory i'm gonna push back on one thing they do not die in a pile they yeah. dance into the afterlife <laughs> with death. Well, they're like that's... chained to each other awkwardly, and it's from a far away shot, so you can't quite tell what's and, going yeah, they, on there. They do Can a classic dance I... of the, de- uh, the dance macabre that is yes. from the painting earlier in the movie, because I am not a complete idiot. 
but also I don't know if the juggler is seeing actual real stuff. So I think they die in, their bodies die in a pile and he imagines them doing a death. Okay, uh, I tell you guys, a special site. Like that's, yeah. yeah. Can I tell okay. you one of my favorite little, uh, one of the most well-known facts about this movie and that Please. final shot that's so iconic about it. Uh, so it's one, it's, you know, it's an incredibly striking image and it's incredibly iconic. You see that image all the time, I feel like. Uh, but The image of them dancing in a line. The, 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 but So the coolest thing about that is it was like a complete gorilla filmmaking thing. They realized they didn't, like, the cast had already wrapped, so they didn't have most of them. So they went out to a Were hill. Were those all buddy, body doubles? So they were all body doubles. And Crazy. Two of them were tourists who were just in the area, and they said, hey, can you do us a favor? <laughs> We we just hold on to each other's hands and walk on this line, and we're gonna film it. And they had no idea what it was being filmed for. They had no idea it was gonna end up one of the most iconic final shots in the movie. Uh, but yeah, those are just like, like extra crew they had, and they didn't have enough, so they grabbed two tourists off the street, put them in clothes that looked kind of like it, like you couldn't really tell from that distance, and had them walk up that hill. Uh, this but, is why I don't Google anything about the movie ahead of time, is so that I can have my mind blown by facts when you actually tell me uh, uh, on the show. I can do it, this live because that is the best thing I've ever heard. Yeah, that is just, I mean, I, like real guerrilla filmmaking shit like that is some of my favorites. Like just going out and stealing shots, as they call them, yeah. you know, uh, I love it. But it, that's it's really fun. Um, well, so let's rewind a little bit. Let me ask you some questions about this. So we're going to do our anchor segment. No stupid questions. Um, and I decided that that's the name that I gave it. Mm -hmm. Great. Cool. So here's my first uh, question that is not stupid. How important is the Swedish film industry? Because I am confident this is the first Swedish film I've seen that was not on an Ikea display television. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Um, this is maybe a difficult question for me to answer. I can say Ingmar Bergman is important. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, we can we can do I that mean, one too because my question number two was why do I know that name Ingmar Bergman? Uh, well, because he made he made a lot of movies. First, he's kind of like Kurosawa in that he has a lot of output, and he's like one of uh, as far as like uh, foreign film directors that everybody that goes to film school will encounter. He's like way up there. He's up there with like Fellini and uh, Godard and some of the other people that we've already talked about, basically. Yeah, and also, you, you have to think, like, Swedish film industry has certainly had some very important films. I think you have to, with most of like Europe and Scandinavian countries, it's easier to kind of lump in these movements and periods where there was a lot of financing in them. So, like, while it's not necessarily just Sweden's output, it's like all the Scandinavian countries combined have definitely added a lot of classics into the kind of like the film canon, you know. So it um, seems to me with those with some of these other names you're giving me that it's it's like the the film canon has agreed. Let's let one director from every country in, and then stop. <laughs> Is that about what happened? I mean, that's the way it kind of gets popularized but there's certainly if you're like studying this era of film you're going to know like you know bigger it's, it's the same it's like saying you know people in foreign countries who know like one very famous basketball player it's not like there's like a whole bunch of like the other ones don't exist they clearly do but like everyone knows michael jordan because he's such a, a brand that you see everywhere you know what i mean um 
Interesting. So if I so th- this is because I'm stupid that like y- about film that it's like one will one Swedish filmmaker will be big enough to penetrate me, but the odds are I can't be penetrated by two Swedes. Well, also, so like a, a huge a huge part of this kind of idea, I think, is that because it's like this feedback loop that happens where. Like, you have a handful of filmmakers who make an impression, and then one name kind of pops out. And then if you want to make a joke about, like, Swedish film or, like, this culture or, like, this kind of iconography, you mention the name Ingrid Berman, right? So that puts that name in people's heads so that next time the conversation comes around, that's the same name you use. So it creates, like, this, like I said, like a feedback loop of being well-known in foreign countries and stuff like that. Where like okay, just so, the more recognizable one brings gets brought up. Yeah, perfect. So so tell me more about Ingmar Bergman. What do I need to know about him? Um, so uh, he is uh, obviously very like kind of uh, philosophical with his movies. Um, I Are have all of them like a, like a, a season of True Detective. Um, so I have seen here are the movies that that he has made that I've seen. I've seen this one. I've seen Persona. Uh, I've seen this one with Max von Sydow that I can't remember the name of, but it's like he's like in a kind of post-apocalyptic world. Um, He has a lot of movies that have um, like seasonal names that all kind of like flow together in my head. Like there's several movies with the name or with uh, the word summer in the title. There's Autumn Sonata. Um, And uh, I just think all of his movies are very like, they're very like this in that they feel pretty pretty dark and very kind of cutting in um, what they're trying to say. Existential, I think, would be a good word uh, to attach to a lot of his films. Um, there's So, like, what's weird about his movies um, that maybe makes it difficult for me to place him uh, in general is that while I really respect his movies, I can probably only watch one, like, a year because <laughs> I feel like they're so heavy. Basically. Yeah, interesting. He, you know, like, actually, he also is, like definitely works in this kind of like tone poem area that you would sort of see from a lot of directors of this period, like much less focused on like narrative cohesion and uh, like being literal in his works more in that sort of abstract poetic way. Like, especially this film is you know such a great example of that. Um, so uh, actually let me ask you a uh, personal question hunter based on that which, yeah. that i was wondering about is like movies like this and if you're like oh ingmar Ber- bergman is really interesting i know what it's like to be like uh like uh, here's how i watch a movie you know it's like we're, i'm eating dinner with my wife it's it's like a thursday and neither of us have plans that evening i'm like do you want to watch a movie tonight and then we like watch a movie and it's like one of the things that have been sitting around in our queue that seem fun um where do you watch a black and white Swedish existential film in your life? Where does that, where does this fit? How Ooh. do you, how do you watch a movie like this if it's not for film school? Ooh, um, sometimes I want to watch a movie that might change my life. And <laughs> that's how you feel. No, I'm serious. Yeah. How you feel. Yeah, yeah. His movies are worth a shot for sure. If that is how you are feeling of like, I need something that has something to say that's big um, and is worth like, I mean, I feel like um, my favorite movie by him is uh, persona, um, mm-hmm. which is a movie that I've probably seen 
five or six times. I've actually kind of messed up my Ingmar Bergman viewing experience probably because of how many times I've wanted to just go back to that movie because it feels like there's so much in it that it's I'm never going to run out of stuff that to get to take away from that movie. Six times. Yeah. I I I like like movies that feel like they're really trying to communicate something, you know? Yeah. That's the number of times that I would watch something that's like, oh, this is a comfort thing I can always go back to whenever I'm feeling blue. And mm-hmm. you you do that with a with a movie that you have to read that's about whether or not God <laughs> exists. Sure. Um, yeah, I, and I mean, I feel that same way about I definitely don't have that relationship with uh, this filmmaker, but I definitely have directors who i like to go back because they're it's like rereading something because i think you can find comfort in something that's like a very rich text to me i don't find like rewatchable comfort in something that's fluffy and fun like i definitely have those if i'm not feeling well or something like that but to me the things i want to revisit are those things like if it's a like a really good book that i find like fills a part of me that most other like books though those are the ones i want to read multiple times like when i think about like those films either it's you know like david lynch if i'm feeling really heavy if i'm thinking like something more light but like a miyazaki film of those types of films that like i find a lot in them i find them very comforting and every time i watch it i take away something new from it you know um is this like that for you anthony uh, this movie might not be like that for me. This is the first time I have seen this. I'm not sure. I definitely oh. feel like I've seen uh maybe one or two other of his films, but it was definitely over ten years ago. Uh, but I've always wanted to get around to seeing this. I generally really did enjoy it. I think it's uh-huh. uh, incredibly well acted. I really like the a film like this that is so incredibly allegorical. And it's just like uh, the way the film feels like I feel like it uh, it kind of like if you sort of work to get on its wavelength, it does become very hypnotic and relaxing to me to watch Uh, that angst that I filmed the film film uh, like pits out there to me is very relatable as someone who grew up in a very religious household and deals with a lot of these sort of concepts as I've gotten older. I like the way it crystallizes these things. And then, again, also, whenever I watch an old movie like this, it's just so fascinating to see, like, there was a time when none of these images existed, and then there, there was a time after, and we have lived solely in an after the Seventh mm-hmm. Seal time, and so many filmmakers. I mean, that's another thing I love about, if you go back and re-watching stuff like this, so you can take it to, like, comedy watching like really old stand-up and seeing like oh that's where like this joke structure came from or like with music this is where like this kind of like strumming pattern got really big there's so much stuff if you watch this movie it's just so his fingerprints are everywhere it's yeah. it's delightful to, for me to watch that kind of thing and just see like wow this has been stolen from and adapted you know i remember seeing like watching this there's a uh animaniacs episode oh, yeah. that is a huge parody of this movie and so that it's, that i'm 100 percent on board with i'm a little less i like i'm not as good at seeing the fingerprints in other cinema 
But definitely one of the most satisfying things is watching something and then being like, oh, now I get that reference from Animaniacs or The Simpsons or something like that. Like, this is a thing that was being parodied a lot in pop culture, and I had no idea because I'm a, you know, an uncivilized brute. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like uh, what's interesting about all the parody of Seventh Seal is that uh, in watching the movie, it's like it's kind of funny to watch a movie like this. Like I don't watch a movie by Ingmar Bergman in a completely self-serious way, even though it's talking about really serious stuff. I still laugh at the goofiness of watching like basically a Swedish movie that is very like, not, not for me. It's not like they, they, there's no way they can anticipate someone like me watching this movie. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of stuff that doesn't hit me the way it would have hit an audience back then. Um, and that kind of miscommunication uh, does make me laugh a lot. So I don't want you to think that I sit and watch these movies in a very like, you know, I have like a notebook and I and I'm not I'm not laughing at it or like enjoying it. And just for what it is, basically, an 84 Rosé sitting next to you and you're like, <laughs> just um, contemplating. Wow. I So, yeah, I it's funny. You said that, and I was like, I don't know the Animaniacs reference he's talking about in particular, but I do know that feeling. But I definitely, I just Googled really quick, and I do remember the episode where Wacko plays checkers with death. <laughs> That's such a funny, oh, man, what a great, uh, what a great reference. Um, so I, that is good to hear about the the silliness, but let, let's say we were going to do a little bit more, because I want to talk about that. But before, before we do that, let's say we're going to talk about um, the, the notebook version of watching this. Um, I, I believe you've both referred to the, the movies having an allegorical nature or have it being an allegory for something. So not no stupid questions. I'm allowed to say this. Everyone is on board and no one is going to make fun of me for it. What is the allegory? Um, that What's an allegory for? That, that life is a game with death. And yeah. eventually we all lose. It's pretty. It's pretty oh, it's that's pretty. Of, that's pretty good. The there is sort of just there, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's, it is. How do you? So, like, if the if all of life is simply all of us playing a game with death, right? We can find ways to extend it. We can find ways to try to get around it. But death ultimately cheats. He is going to win, right? No matter what, he does and, cheat. What a piece of shit. Well, that's <laughs> that made me so angry. That's death, man. Uh, you should like really think about that tonight when you're going to sleep. That death <laughs> does cheat. Uh, and then how do you deal with it? Are you the nihilistic, uh, existential draught soldier? Are you the the flippant, silly, uh, you know, friend who knows that there's no purpose to any of this and enjoys it without being depressed? Are you the like the and drunk brags who, about uh, yeah. sexual assault? Yeah, it was a different time. They were soldiers. You know, like, it's just, you can, you can get, like, again, I was yeah. like, I think that's, like, yeah, that, that's, like, striking, but you can apply moral relativism to stuff, and, like, all it does is cheapen you getting something out of the work, and makes it so that you feel like work needs to be sanitized for children, which is, like, if you want to be in a film class, you need to engage with like an adult and not a wow. that type of thing you know? <laughs> whoa i am not prepared for um the 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 this conversation first of all but also i feel like you have shifted away from slightly condescending to full condescending <laughs> yeah the tone I, there engage yeah. in this as an adult ouch uh, 
I, I do just, think that the casual nature of sexual assault in historical films is something worth discussing and probably oh, would be I discussed do. in a modern film class. No, I do too. I absolutely do. It's just the the I think that saying it as a flippant thing isn't helping anyone. You know what I mean? It's and well, it's, I guess it, it does really make me quite like it just makes me think about the that character of the squire who is like he's very flip about about death and is not concerned about it and also he might be kind of a piece of shit oh he's definitely a piece of shit he just went and fought in the crusades you know that well but really he, he is also like he does like this he does some saving he does some hero business and then he's also a dick um, yeah he's i mean what he saves the the mute girl but he also like kind of takes and control then of her. her. Like she's yeah, yeah. she's like yeah. so I don't know how much he saves her or how much we're supposed to be like, oh, this this is one of our heroes, basically. And he does save the actor, but it's not clear if it's because he actually wants to help or he just wants to hurt the yeah, he has guy. No, he has no idea what's going on. He just set made a promise that if I ever see you again, I'm gonna cut up your face. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't he, think he's supposed to be a hero at no. all. I don't think any of them are. Right? I definitely think like the idea of people who got back from fighting in the Crusades, and he even has that that like speech when he's talking about like you talked us into doing that, and all we yeah. did was go and murder people who didn't need to be murdered. We participated in one of the most like horrific crimes in human history, and like you, you know, it's. They're not there there to die because that's what's going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, it's they d- all deserve it in one way or another. So on the topic of some fun, uh, ha- like, laughing at the, the bizarreness of this movie, let's talk about the actors, the three performers. Um, <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> because this, I mean, some genuinely good laughs. Every time, so he is, okay, so, so um, the soldier and Esquire stumble upon these, I call them street performers earlier. They, like, go from town to town and right. put on a little show. They're traveling on, company of actors. Yeah, on the, on the a, on a little stage in the back of their wagon that they also live mm-hmm. in. In and a time before juggling had three balls involved with that's it. That's like okay, that's the best. So he is like talking about how great of a juggler he is, and it is two balls where he tosses one and then hands over the other one and then tosses it and hands it over. He's the worst juggler that's ever lived. Yeah. It's the yeah. least juggling juggling I've ever seen. It is hysterical how seriously he does the juggling. And then the uh, another actor in the company is he like picks up a lady from stage. Yeah, yeah, like an in the middle of an awful show, and yeah, then like has a, sex with her on a picnic blanket behind the wagon behind while bush. the show is still happening. Yeah. Well, it's it's straight up like eighties hair metal shit, you know, like from the That's stage playing to a girl and having like a a guy go grab her. Like it was just the most like yeah, you back there. It uh, was bonkers it was do, so strange and hilarious I do love their floating uh where it's like when they first see her she does like a casual oh i dropped this let me pick yeah, it up yeah from, like, shows her ankle ways. yeah it's uh and, and he, she shows just a little bit of ankle and then he okay and also he is like an actor in the time of jesters court jesters he's wearing that court jester half and half yep, yep. tights skirt um, covered in bells, and even when he goes over to like really hit on her, he's like jingle, like he's like swinging the bells on his belt. It's the most ridiculous and awesome thing 
I love their parts of this. Uh, it's very, very funny. Um, and then the best, one of the best parts, which is also kind of sad and intense, but hilarious is when he's getting beaten up for being an actor, he's getting picked on and the bully, he's in a pub and they all are like, Oh, you're an actor. We got to really give you a lot of shit. And the, he's like, Oh, you're an actor. Imitate a bear, which is like the way (laughs) people are like, Oh, you're a comic. Tell me a joke. joke. (laughs) It's like, yeah, do it. Give me a bear impression. And then he starts because they pull a knife so he starts pretending to be a bear for like two seconds and then he is horribly winded um from the the action of pretending to be a bear and he's like i can't imitate a bear any longer he really embodies that bear you know bears exactly. he, was, he got so method that it exhausted him right, yeah right. bears are sprint not marathon animals and he really <laughs> brought that to the role you know i did like I, I loved it. The 14th, I, I think this is way, I don't I was trying to think what's scarier. So this movie has like the 14th uh, century uh, Swedish version of shooting a gun at someone's feet to make them dance. It's just yes. throwing sticks of fire at them. Onto a wooden table. Yeah. And I don't know what's scarier. What I would, if I would found myself in that situation, what I would rather, because I think like shooting someone could definitely go Badder, faster, uh, but the fire thing could also go very bad. It was a strange. Well, I was wait, yeah, I I was kind of expecting everyone around to do that thing where they're like, whoa, 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 Jerry, whoa, okay. Whoa. I was all about making this guy imitate a bear, but you could burn this house. Like everything in our city is made of wicker. Yeah, like, you right. cannot just throw around torches for fun. Hey, we. I don't know when the last time you saw a train of people so flagellating, but sometimes you just need to have a yeah. You got to blow off some steam. Yeah, man. There's so many interesting. Another another interesting thing is that there's a um. It's it's intense for a while about how the city is about to burn this lady as a witch because she brought the plague and is and they they say she's communing with the devil and then in a twist she really is. Oh yeah, like (laughs) she's like. They're, like the soldier is like, hey, I'm looking for someone who knows the devil. Are, are they telling the truth? Are you really communing with the devil? And she's like, oh, yeah, I talk to him all the time. I can feel him holding my hand right now. It's like, that's not what I thought. <laughs> they were going that, with it. Yeah, I did you not expect witch, that. You're like, well, definitely not an actual witch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This witch burning has got to be a, a thing about how bad and brutal these people are, not how well, accurate I they mean, are at finding witches. I don't. Is she actually seen the devil? I thought he she doesn't. Says she see- is. She thinks she is. She Who thinks knows? she yeah. is, but she's just like mentally unwell. She's Probably. not someone who's yeah. actually seen the devil, you know? Well, she's not seeing the devil because the devil does not exist. So it's uh, easy to assume that that's not happening. Well, in the um, world of this movie, I also think the devil doesn't exist. But uh, yeah, in, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, yeah I, we, we know this that movie doesn't exists, think the devil but, exists. Yeah. yeah. So. She is is incorrect about that, but still, the problem is not, man, they're being brutal to this woman who doesn't deserve it. It's like, wow, she really is telling them that she brought the plague and that she likes the devil and wants them all to die. And yeah, she's well, just- but the, the movie also features people self-flagellating themselves. So we've got a lot of people that are believing some stuff that I would say is fairly bogus, if not yes. entirely bogus. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's actually a big takeaway is just how stupid people were during the Middle Ages. And so it's interesting to have people having these like big existential talks where like also they think that the way you got plague was by looking in someone's eyes when they had it. Like 
these are dumb people. Oh, well, but I this actually, really- actually love this aspect of this movie, and I actually hate movies that I feel like don't present the Middle Ages or really the past at all. I don't like movies that kind of sanitize the past. Give me the stupid people from every era. I want to see them. <laughs> yeah. because if, I don't know if you're alive currently, but there's kind of always this feeling of that a lot of people are stupid, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot. And and so you want a movie that's like, give me the dumb people covered in mud. That's what I'm here for. Right. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, Monty Python does it. This movie does yes. it. A lot of movies do it well, My, actually. Monty Python does a great job of that. Yeah. yeah. My first thing with, with the scene with Boning Alive, where my head went was, What's the thing he gave her that makes it so he doesn't feel pain while you bone to death? Yeah, he, get, he gave her morphine pills or something. Fourteen <laughs> century Sweden, can you just pit in your mouth and then you don't mind getting burnt to death? That's well, and then later when he dies of of whatever, um, he's like, man, I wish I had that. Or his friend says, don't you wish you'd kept that one magic pill? They only had the one. And he, gave, he wasted it on the girl who was burning. He didn't yeah. take it himself. <laughs> Um, the, uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, uh, oh, what was I going to say about that? Something about that. And the whole thing about, that. oh yeah. Given that this is a plague movie and we're currently experiencing a plague. Um, I did a little bit of Googling about plague and, um, <laughs> you mean so you I did turned on the news right now. <laughs> well, it is, I mean, it is interesting. Like one of the main things that's interesting is that we do know where diseases come from and that does give us a huge leg up on the plague people. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine how much worse all this is, is if you think uh, a, a girl cutting her hair short is like the reason why everyone in town is sick. Like, or that what you a need crazy- to hurt yourself in order to like, yeah, oh, well, yeah. I just hit myself on the back with this, I you know. we're sort of like our economy is so flatulating right now. <laughs> sure. Flatulating, not flatulating. Very different. Well, it, it's um, that, I love the idea that like, okay, so like they came back, kind of what I was mentioning earlier with like the, you know, the crimes that were committed during the Crusades. Yeah. And it, it's still very much like today when people blame certain things for God's wrath, but not the things that would actually seem to piss him off. Like, oh, I sinned, a community sinned, so we all have to hurt ourselves. It's not that we're waging war on a different people. Yeah, yeah. Indiscriminately, yeah. The, the, we're we're still occasionally bombing hospitals in Afghanistan. God's not really upset about that, but he did see two boys kissing. Furious. <laughs> yeah, and it's like that kind of stuff, or just that's like this, fascinating. Yeah, you know, people are trying to like watch a show and take their mind off the shitty reality for a minute, and like that's the problem with the world. Um, yeah, and yeah. You know, is st- there's still that guy who's going to stand up and give a big self righteous speech? about how the world is ending. That's that's one of the things that makes does make me feel comfortable, especially with the Hunter was talking about, you know, the way stupid people have always ex- existed. It's right. very nice that if you do get worried about that type of thinking, especially with what's going on, it's like there's always been that guy saying that. It's just there's always someone saying this is it, this is the end of the world, and they've always been wrong. You know, we've gone through all of this stuff. I mean, that was our conversation last week, Anthony, as you asked us if um, we thought this was the apocalypse. And my and my feeling is like every time someone said that before, they've been wrong. So I just right. doubt that this is the time where everyone nailed it. And I, d- I doubt that if God was going to show us his wrath, it would be like, it's the flu, but 12% worse. <laughs> yeah. Like that's a weird, this is a weird choice. The boils under your armpits and you go from healthy to dead overnight. 
that's a way more likely to have been God that's trying to get rid of us right there. Yeah. That's yeah. Some solid apocalypse stuff. It was like, it was like 50 million people died. It was yeah, uh, like uh, the uh, bubonic plague is unfathomable and in such brutal, terrible ways, um, which I, I guess I actually haven't, I'm sure someone's written about this, a great think piece about like what would happen if that started now is we'd probably stop it really fast. Cause we, we, well, I guess we just don't live with as many rats. That's a big yeah, part of it. I was going to say um, we'd stop letting rats into a place. Yeah, um, but it it is fascinating that it's just like like not only is it so much more brutal, but also just like they didn't know they had no yeah. idea what was going on. Yeah, like your life already sucks, and then this happens. Like that's the thing about living in that time period that would make it so much worse. Like <laughs> the nicest thing in your village is like a will that makes knives sharper, and it's like I don't even like <laughs> knives. This sucks. There's nothing here. <laughs> you go to the borough, everyone's mean, and everyone is 20, but they look 65, and they're all <laughs> going to be dead next week anyway. And then all of a yeah. sudden, this and, and the only play. fun you've had is watching, is, is torturing an actor and making him act like a bear when he doesn't want to. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, it would just, it was, it just, it sucks on top of sucks, you know? Yeah, At least man. now. It's- we can it's talk to via the internet. Fathom how bad. Yeah, like the thing now is like I think you know maybe there's like too much live streaming to keep up with. Mm-hmm. But oh, that's for like sure. it. That's like that. This is so much better. Um, <laughs> there's so many things that are well. Also, um, there have there have been um, like uh, especially like some some well-known Florida preachers who have talked about this as being you know God's wrath for gay marriage or whatever. But the other thing that I I, I read from one of them was that um, we should all keep like people keep saying we should keep going out because we're not we're not going to be kowtowed by we're not going to be afraid of it we're not pansies was the quote right. and what I think is so great about what ha- was happening right now is that we're not hiding. That's like a stupid thing to say. We're not hiding from a virus. We're beating the virus because we're smarter than it. Yeah, yeah. Because as, in the, as a in, society being smarter. As a society, we're like, you know what the you know what virus can't do? It can't walk. Yeah. So if we just don't walk, it can't do it. It needs us to walk to survive. So we can just not walk anywhere and we beat it. We are smart and we're doing it and these like unlike the dumb people in the mud they were like we don't know what's happening we can't stop the rats that's the only that's our only friends you know so we <laughs> we are outsmarting a disease and that's so much even though it's bad and dark and terrible and there are still stupid people saying stupid things in general we are a society have gotten together and outsmarted a virus because it can't walk and that feels more promising and uplifting than, i like that um, that's very good alex thanks man um great well let's end that segment there then um uh do we have any any closing thoughts on uh, things that we should take away um, um well, from i, I want to throw out one thing real quick that's um related um but it's also you know i'm i don't know i've twice on this show i've picked a movie based off of someone i like that was old that that died um max von Sydow died at a pretty pretty old age they're not these are not like tra- tragic deaths but um uh there is a musician i like very much uh whose name is scott walker uh who died probably about a year ago oh my god almost exactly a year ago um like a year and three days ago um he started as like a kind of boy band uh type guy but he he then just got like weirder and weirder as his career went on and he actually wrote a song just called the seventh seal where he basically sings the plot of the movie almost exactly as it happens 
<laughs> so if you feel like you're listening to this and you're like, you know what? I don't know that I have time for this dark Swedish movie. You can just listen to Scott Walker's song. And it, it is literally he is just telling you the plot. And it is a very good song. And it's very funny. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Just does not happen in rock yeah. <laughs> music or in any music enough anymore. It used to be very big bands just, you know, like Led Zeppelin just singing the plot of The Hobbit. Right. Uh, uh, just like that shit used to happen a lot. And it just mm. doesn't. You don't just see nerds becoming rock stars and nerding out to their favorite stuff. And we need to bring that back. I mean, friends of the show, the uh, the double clicks uh, made quite a career out of just being happy to talk about their favorite things in songs. And yeah. I recommend it, especially if you're feeling blue. They've got a lot of stuff that's a good perky up kind yeah. of music um lady gaga's probably got some real ecleptic film taste i want to hear us just yes, sing, sing sure the plot does. of of an old classic movie just i meant to sing <laughs> the plot of nosferatu that's what yes. i want to see <laughs> you know i mean that's not a long song it's just like it's dracula but they stole it right <laughs> more or, sure or less they yeah. Stole it. yeah that's yeah. the way we should frame it they stole it <laughs> Isn't that what it was? I I thought it, I I googled this a while ago. I thought that was like that Nosferatu was just like they didn't couldn't get the rights, and right. so they just so, made the movie without him. So they named it something else. I just feel like it's weird to call them out for that that crime that happened so long ago, especially when you're such a universal monster fan. Uh, well, that's they're specifically basically- why I'm just I'm defending it. Is like you're trying to take away the best IP there is. No, you're right. Alex is. He's just a fan of copyright and IP protection. Really, he's just, he's just again coming down on the side of uh, and not the side of out. I do not need to listen to the slander. Before I go, uh, before we go, um, we're going to do a, a quick mailbag. Oh, actually, before that, I want to just drop one. Um, I guess this is sort of this is like at the end of the show. This is where we put the garbage joke that didn't work. Um, I did want to make a joke about how the knight was the worst chess player I've ever seen, where he like loses his queen didn't see it um and like he should be better at chess he is literally a chess piece right um, <laughs> but great again, joke would have worked really well and then i figured out i think he threw the game in order to save the uh juggler's life and that's the whole point um of and, the movie and alex again he is he is literally a chess piece yes think about it as an out like his plan to oh, beat he, yeah is beat through the knight and bishop techniques through being a soldier and prayer that was his that's true. And he sacrifices right. himself for the greater good for yeah. some, to, so someone else can survive. Yeah. For Mikhail, I guess uh, the little baby, yeah. um, who is always dicks out. Which, like, I know he's a baby, but like, it's weird that he has tops and no bottoms. Anyway, um, see, this is just the, the garbage thoughts that didn't right. They didn't deserve being in the show. We just throw them at the end. Um, it's like ballast. Yeah. To keep okay. Another, another fun fact: inspired Daffy Duck. There you go. That's where they got it. <laughs> That's where they got it. This is where the iconic naked b- bottom came from. Yeah. You mean Donald um, Duck, not Daffy Donald Duck. Duck. Yeah, I do mean Donald Duck, yeah. Does Daffy Duck wear pants? No, Daffy Duck just goes full enchilada. You Daffy know, Duck don't give a see. shit. Oh, you're yeah. right. Daffy Duck is, is full naked. Do- uh, Daffy wears a hat. Yeah. Yeah. Pork pie hat. Would never... wear a pork pie hat. That's why mm-hmm. why you would never think him and Daffling Duck are the same person because it's like no, <laughs> Daffy Duck doesn't wear clothes. He's a freak like that, you know. Yeah, he does have that stripe around his neck that could be like a priest collar or a bow tie. That's his only real clothes. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. That's just so actually an appendage. I don't know if you know that. That's just really it's his neck yeah. ring. Yes. Yeah, so, like, hey, man, it's weird. 
I don't know if you've ever been to Toontown, but they got some real fucked up shit down there. <laughs> uh, all right, interesting. Um, right now, it's just right off Hollywood Boulevard, right? You I'll go, go check it out. Big, I can't wait. Big tunnel into Toontown. I am. Uh, I did. I, I uh, drove by the uh, the first time I drove by the Warner Brothers uh, water tower was very fun because that's where the Animaniacs live. Oh right, yes, they live in. It's there. fun being where everything is from. Um, all right, we're gonna do a very quick mailbag and then we'll uh, we'll say goodnight. So we're gonna do that. Right there, it is. So we have two quick uh, emails that I want to read to you, both uh, on the same topic. Uh, you can follow. You can send us a, an email. You can um, instead of yelling at your podcast device, you can send us an email podcast at redusttrip.com. Um, the first thing in the mailbag this week is from Jay number one, who says, "I'm probably not the only one in my car yelling through the radio and space and time, but the dance you were trying to remember last week on the episode from uh, of um, a league of their own, the dance that I could not." remember what it was called it was called taxi dancing anthony do you remember this conversation i do so madonna uh was talking about not she's like i can't lose, lose baseball i can't go back to taxi dancing and i did not know what that was and so um jay number one says uh taxi dancing according to wikipedia is where people are paid people pay for dances with women the name comes from the limited time you are in a cab for money so it's limited to the time you, you're in a dance for money. Okay, so that's J number one. And we also got Steve T, who wrote in with a longer version of that same explanation that I think is going to be really helpful. And we probably got some more of these because we have so many thousands and thousands of listeners writing in every week. But these are the <laughs> two I've chosen, you can assume. Um, so this is from Steve T, who says, Hey, Alex, just uh, enjoyed the new episode about League of Their Own. Had a couple of thoughts to share. First, the type of dancing Madonna's characters, uh, character may refers to as taxi dancing. Uh, was a big industry in the early 20th century. A taxi dancer is a dancer, typically a young woman, who would dance with a saloon or dance hall patron for money. Ten cents a dance is a commonly cited price, but of course it varied by time and place. Um, while this in theory could be a chaste activity, often it was not, and it could get it could be a gateway to other forms of sex work. Ooh. Um, so uh, it's less like, like kind of like stripping and more like... Uh uh, what are they called in Japan? The like oh, yeah. the, clubs? The host host clubs. Host, hostess clubs. Yeah, host and hostess clubs. Oh, uh, is that like Westworld? <laughs> yeah, it's like Westworld. <laughs> uh, <but with laughs> it's a very popular thing in Japan. You can go to a bar and basically rent a girlfriend by like the hour. Like it's just a girl who sits at your table with you and your friends and like you buy drinks for her and they hang out and there's no sexual stuff. It's just you're literally renting the girlfriend or boyfriend because there are host clubs as well. The girlfriend or boyfriend experience for a few hours at a time. What would you guys want in a non-sexual paid relationship? Like if you had an hour, like what sort of, I feel like, like you couldn't just laugh at my jokes that is too fake sounding. Right. I wouldn't and believe gonna, it. You're not going to buy that. Yeah. Yeah. So like what I, I mean. So your jokes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would, I'm aware of what I'm doing. So like I know that it doesn't deserve that. Um, when I uh, uh, when I was uh, uh, when I was uh, uh, taping uh, a show in New York a, a little while ago, um, they sent a car to the airport to pick me up. And the driver goes, oh, hey, I recognize you from YouTube videos. 
<laughs> and there's no way that guy has seen my hundred. I would know. I would notice the surge in traffic if right. he was watching my YouTube oh, videos. Like another view. When, when it's way more likely that like you're the guy who picks up people at the airport for this TV show, you probably see the name and then quickly Google them before they mm. get in the car to make yeah. conversation. Like I can, if you, if you're too nice to me, I see through it. So sure. like, I guess what I'm saying is girlfriend experience. You can't pretend like, Oh yeah, I read your book like that. I just won't buy <laughs> it, you know? But like, there's gotta be something that would be like emotionally satisfying, even if it was fake. Uh, something fun like games. Games will be fun playing games, board games. Yeah. 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 Just like, I, yeah. I, like, would they be into it? They'd have to be if they were good at I don't it. Really, it would probably I, be fun to play games with. I feel like any everybody should try a game. There's not a there's no game I could think of that just no oh, man nobody should try this. So I mean, well, I think you'd just see if they were into it. That's a, that's the surprise yeah. thing. Um, oh, I, most I guess people, I mean like could they pretend to be into it and that like I guess if I don't think I'd give so, a shit. You know what I mean? If somebody oh, was because I'm playing a game now too, I'm getting something out of it. You know? Did I ever tell you about when I hired a stripper to play dodgeball and she just stole our money? No, I did not. That's know that. fair, though. I I think you have told me that. And I like, really told you, Anthony. The, um, but it was it was for Ezra's wedding. Um, I was um, helping organize his bachelor party, and he had said the one rule was he wanted strippers there, but they were not allowed to strip. <laughs> and apparently, he meant that as a joke, but I took it very seriously. And so I hired a stripper through an agency to come play trampoline dodgeball with us, and. She showed up, asked for her money up front, and then took it and then immediately walked out the door and never looked back. That's yeah, so you- funny. Yeah. <laughs> it was so, it was so like, it was like a, like when she was leaving, I was like, I'm sure she's just going to go change or something. She didn't even say anything. She just took the money immediately, 180, walked straight out the door, didn't wow. slow down. Yeah. You deserve it was that. You absolutely 100%. You did the right thing. 100%. <laughs> 100%. Here's the thing. What I said, like, look, you, all you have to like, it doesn't even like technically we're paying for an hour or whatever. Look, just come bounce on the trampoline and throw a dodgeball and then leave. Like, we don't actually want to hang out with this person. Like, just spend five minutes pretending you care. Right. It would have been. She took the easiest money she'd ever made and was like, but what if it was eight minutes easier? Right. <laughs> and yeah, I, I, I admire that. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, it was like, and it was like, 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 uh, his future wife and like all of our other, like, girlfriends and partners were there. It was like, it was like a, uh, a fun party. And they were just like, wait, was that a stripper? Did she just rob you? What is happening? It was a great, it was a great time, actually. We had more fun that way than if she had stayed, probably. Um, but that's what I would be worried about is you're like, all right, we're going to play a game. And then she'd be like, ugh, I don't want to, I, I, don't, I don't like Dungeons and Dragons. Well, she wouldn't get into it. Right. I mean, the, the hostess club idea is that they know to like, yeah, I'm going to be, I'm going to play that game or I'm going to. Like, they yeah. know exactly what you wanted. You were looking for a hostess, not a stripper yeah. for your dodgeball party. See, now, do is that does that feel bad? It sounds weird, but on the other hand, like, if you just, like, there's somebody who's just like, look, I'm really fun to hang out with, and so I charge for it. Well, that's what I the host club mad. stuff is, yeah. basically. Yeah. They're just, I'm like, not fun, mad about fun that. hangs. No, yeah, that Everyone's absolutely gone. exists. I mean, there's, it's it's not that much different than people who, you know, are good at cuddling and just charge for that, you know. Right. Well, I believe it's, she did go out of business and good riddance. Um, there's more than one person doing that, Alex. Well, the person in Portland. Uh, Why, the do Portland Why do you oh, say good riddance? Why do you say good riddance? I have a long uh, history of being mad at the Portland cuddler. Oh, I, I, I disliked her in public uh, in in the in the newspaper for a while. Oh, dang. And um, yeah, I, if, she's uh, obnoxious. Um 
I have issues. Uh, but anyway, um, let me just wrap up on Steve's email. Um, uh, oh, okay. He went on to say, I generally agree with your conversation about how bookends, be, uh, about the bookends of the movie being bad, especially the ending portion, which is too long and too sappy. However, I do love one part of the opening bookend where the daughter throws a baseball at elderly Dottie and she barehanded catches it like as a reflex, the same way young Dottie does later in the movie as like a cool grandma still got it, which I'm with him. I do like a grandma still got it moment. <laughs> and I like a surprising <laughs> catching the ball moment. We it's all love a good grandma still got it moment. We all, <laughs> yeah, of course we do. That's, that's what we're all looking his, for. That's Alex's <laughs> main search on porn websites. Just, <laughs> grandma still got it. <laughs> we all know that. Oh man. Um, uh, Steve also suggested this is that that catch is what makes him think that uh, maybe uh, Dottie dropped the ball on purpose. Um, I'm not Ooh, sure she did, but good... they make a big deal out of that and about her bare yeah. hand strength. So that dropping the ball makes me second guess myself. Um, thank you all so much for making the podcast. It really is a nice piece of normalcy I can count on in crazy times. Stay safe. Best, Steve. Thank you so much, Steve. I, I appreciate that very much. I hope that we are normalcy you can count on. I, you know, I don't like I, I feel some urge to not be normalcy, you know, like do we need to do 10 more podcasts a week or do we need to be a podcast that watches movies about viruses? Anyway, um, I think generally we're leading towards normalcy, although we are going to be doing some like fun live streams in the future that you can take or leave. Um, but, and honestly, the great thing about chaotic events like this is we kind of get to establish a new normal. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, that I, I've definitely thought a lot about that, um, for myself. Um, this is like, like the sad way to say it. And I don't feel this way entirely, but it is sort of like, I, if, if you feel like you've been kind of losing under the old system, all of a sudden having a whole new system is, is fun. Sure. Alex, um, you finally are coming around to the way I see the world. Hell yeah, buddy. <laughs> Welcome, comrade. <laughs> so excited. You have finally seen things how I, I meant do. that in terms of like like my my success as a person in hollywood and less about like um wow. stringing rich people up by light posts on, on lampposts anthony so tomato, tomato. Know happy medium yeah <laughs> yeah there's gotta be something in the middle we yeah. can meet at i mean you have to love that we're getting a universal basic income right that's fun um a universal I, basic I, income yeah i yeah, exactly i wouldn't really call it that you know more of the the table scraps that they give in the big companies we don't need to get into that now no we don't um <laughs> but i do want since you say that uh, since steve mentioned that this is a place of normalcy during crazy times um i am i am in, in general i'm curious about what everybody needs right now like does do people like and and probably no one knows because i don't know what i need right now so it's probably very hard to figure it out but at any point if you're like man you know what i need from them right now send us an email I'd love to hear it. I'd love to continue to get suggestions from movies and topics that you'd like to us to talk about and whether or not it makes sense to even be in film school if there's never going to be a film industry ever again. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So, um, or does it make sense to study up now so that when it comes back? Oh, yeah. yeah. Good point. Right. I did. Somebody, <laughs> I had forgotten about this, but back in December, I had I had a tweet about how I thought they should just take a year off of making movies so I could catch up on and stuff. And they're doing it. <laughs> and it's sort of happening. And I feel bad for like all the people who worked on Mulan and no one's going to see it. Like right. it is, 
it is weird. And I, uh, uh, somebody like dug that up and was like, this tweet hasn't aged well. Right. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, uh, very yeah. soon you'll be able to pay $20 to watch it at home. <laughs> so. Man. Yeah. It's a weird time. So let us know what you need and just send us any other feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Podcast at readdashape.com. Also, of course, Dottie did not drop the ball. Well, uh, let's, uh, well, she definitely Crap. dropped the ball. That's not the conversation here. You're right. I'm trying to think of a new outro for us, and I blew it. So I'll try it after the out, after the music starts. All right, everybody, that is it for our show. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back again next week, um, continuing on the normalcy and, t- and troubled times. I'll let you know what the topic is on Facebook and Twitter as soon as we have decided. Please send us emails if you have suggestions for it. Thank you so much for continuing to listen and continue to support us. Um, during the time where we were mostly doing online content anyway. So I hope this is helping you and that you're enjoying it. Thank you for everyone who's been a meat buddy and continues to be. Uh, we'll be back again next week with uh, Anthony. Thanks for being here, buddy. It's just a lot of fun. Thank you all for doing this with me. I love you guys. Stay safe. And this goes out to everyone listening to you. Practice your social distancing and don't pay rent. So landlords over. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, I think so. You had a, I can't remember what episode this was, but you had a very strong uh, landlords are all bad people take. Oh, and, yeah. Um, I know partly it's because you spent growing up, you you like worked with a lot of landlords and stuff, and they were all, I believe you that they were all bad people. I am 100% with you today. Um, oh. I had been like on the fence about it, and my landlord emailed us last week to say, just so you know, if you get coronavirus from touching any, any public doorknobs, you can't sue us. And then they right. emailed us again yesterday to remind us that, and then also to say, California has banned evictions, but you need to have a you have to have a note from your doctor and from your your work, and saying that it was coronavirus related, why you couldn't pay rent, and you are required to pay the rent within six months, or we can evict you, and also we can still evict you if you don't have those things, just because we uh, anyway. It was like, why would you take this moment? To be the biggest dickhead rent, in the world. Strike, well, rent, yeah. strike. I mean, they that's the thing is, Alex, they've always been nothing but parasites on culture. Uh-huh. Now the mask is just off. I've uh, seen people on Reddit and on like the, the Los Angeles Reddit posting about how their landlords were like, hey, you know what? I know it's tough right now. No one owes me rent this month. So there are people who seem okay, and we did not get one of those people. Right, yeah, right. No, uh, but also, like, that type of thinking, just a quick side note, the uh, making exceptions for the good ones is how they get you to enable the uh-huh. bad ones. <laughs> it's, if you choose... I gotta come no down, baby. No one is born a landlord. You choose. <laughs> Even if you're a good landlord, you're a landlord. Yeah. Uh, and you deserve yeah. every fucking thing that's coming your way. Trust me. <laughs> All right, that's a good note to end on. We'll talk to everybody next week. Uh, Dottie didn't drop it on purpose. Goodbye. Pshh.